episode of the Bureau 42 X-Files Retrospective Podcast. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This week we discuss X-Files, Season 1, Episode 24, The Erlenmeyer Flask. Original air date, May 13, 1994. IMDb user score, 9.0. The Erlenmeyer Flask is the Season 1 finale for the X-Files. The episode was written by series creator Chris Carter, and it was the first episode that was directed by producer R.W. Goodwin. Now, Goodwin, a.k.a. Bob Goodwin, had been around the show since the start, but his regular production duties kept him so busy he could basically only make the time to direct things when it was season premieres or season finale. Otherwise, he was too busy supporting the other directors in their work to direct an episode himself. We've mentioned the different writing structures in Hollywood before. There's a three-act structure to the season. There's actually about a four-act structure to the series. Most episodes are in a three-act structure as well. And the episodes are formatted with that teaser letting us know what the mystery is, and then police procedural from then on. Of all the first season teasers, this is the one that seems most like your standard procedural cop show. It actually starts off in the middle of a high-speed chase where officers are trying to bring down a man on the run. You know, they force him to drive his vehicle towards the docks. As he's running, they use force to subdue him, or at least they try. He takes a beating, ends up grabbing one of their nightsticks and delivering a beating as badly as they gave him. And as he goes tearing off to the docks, he's actually shot. Uh, the officers don't see the blood. They just see him running to the end of the docks, jump in, and one officer's going, I know I hit him. He should be bleeding. And the camera pans down, and the viewer sees green fluid on the docks behind him. From here, we cut to the opening credits. Generally speaking, there aren't a lot of changes in the opening credits for the first several years of the series. The first change that we see after they were first composited and assembled for Deep Throat comes here in the Erlenmeyer flask. Instead of the standard catchphrase, the truth is out there, what we get instead is trust no one, which turns out to be another big theme for the series. After the opening credits, Deep Throat calls Mulder and all he tells him is to watch Channel 8. And that's the news report about this, which covers pretty much everything that's known except the green blood. And it's a really nice move here. We talked about how we were moving into the third act in terms of the relationship between Deep Throat and Mulder. And that's what we see here. In the course of the episode, we see a lot of the mythology introduced. We see Deep Throat initially give them very little information, and then later on give them a lot. We see Scully's skepticism really coming into play in the way she interacts with Deep Throat. We are introduced to the alien-human hybrids. We are introduced to the fifth and sixth chromosomal base pairs. We are introduced to an extraterrestrial virus that is delivered through bacteria. We are introduced to government experiments experiments under the pretense of inoculations. There's a lot that's laid out here that's going to come back big time in the course of the series. Probably even more than a lot of people realized at the time it was coming out. For much of this, you really have to come back and view it again after you're at least seven seasons in to really get a feel for everything that's being laid down in terms of the groundwork. The episode itself is very compelling. It is well shot by R.W. Goodwin. There's even a bit of a Hitchcock vertigo moment. In one scene, Mulder is at a storage facility looking into rental containers, and the camera moves there are very reminiscent of what Hitchcock was doing in Vertigo. So as Mulder's pulling for the keys, he seems to be moving forward in the foreground while the door behind him is moving away. And we can tell David Duchovny is standing there. This is what I mean by the Vertigo moment. In Hitchcock's Vertigo, he was able to combine cameras pushing in and cameras zooming out and vice versa to create interesting visual effects. We talked a little bit about pushes and zooms in the first few episodes, noting that zooms distort distances, but pushes are a little bit harder to manage because you need to have a steady camera operator there to keep things going. By using the two in combination, you can keep your subject at the same point in the forefront or seem to have them move while you move the line behind them. And that's what's happened here. So they've actually zoomed out, and zooming out exaggerates the distances 
between things while moving the camera in. So we see Mulder get closer while the wall behind him backs up. Just an interesting little visual move to help really see Mulder's focusing in, he's moving forward, and to keep things visually interesting while we're there to remind the audience Mulder has these keys that he got from a doctor's home, and that's what led him to the storage facility along with that home's phone records. This is also the first time we see bodies in tanks. There's actually five people that are basically in fish tanks. For those, they actually hired divers so they could have professionals who really could hold their breath that long because they appear to be breathing unassisted underwater. Now, a lot of that is because these are divers who can hold their breath longer than most people, and a lot of that is because of the editing. So we changed the camera angles. We changed the direction. Sometimes we're looking at Mulder. Sometimes we're seeing what he sees. Sometimes it's pulled back so we can see both. But every time we reposition the camera, that's stopping filming, restarting filming, gives the actors a chance to come up for air. So the viewers see them underwater for much longer than the actual actors are underwater. It's a little bit of the creative timelines and some of the power that you have with film. The episode ends with Mulder getting captured. He was unable to get a hold of the alien-human hybrid doctor that he was trying to get, partly because that doctor was shot down in front of him, and for the first time we see that these alien-human hybrids, when injured, release blood that has gases which are toxic to regular humans. So Mulder's in pretty darn rough shape when Scully and Deep Throat work together to barter for his release in exchange for the original DNA sample that Scully tracks down. When they make the exchange, the people they're exchanging with kill Deep Throat. They just gun him down in the street and drive away, which is quite the end to the first season. Up to this point, the long-term mythology has been based largely on Mulder's relationship with Deep Throat. With Deep Throat dead, there's a question, how are we going to move forward from here? And at the time this episode was conceived, there may have been a question among the production staff about whether or not the show would go forward from here. The uh, first season ratings weren't terribly spectacular, but we'll talk more about that in the next podcast. The episode ends with one of the more powerful moments. So Mulder calls Scully and lets her know he was called in by Skinner, who was being mentioned for the second time. We've still only seen him in tombs. And the X-Files are being shut down. Mulder and Scully are being reassigned, but Mulder refuses to give up on his quest. He's still going to keep doing the investigation as long as the truth is out there. The final shot of the season is a nice little symmetry going back to the final shot of the pilot episode. Now, the final shot of the pilot ended with the cigarette smoking man taking the implant they found in Ray Solmes' nose and putting it into a box in a Pentagon storage room. This time he's putting in the alien fetus that the tissue sample came from and putting that in a formaldehyde jar in that same Pentagon storage room. So we get that nice symmetry. We get our fourth appearance of the cigarette smoking man and this is the second time he's actually not smoking in the episode when we see him. And we get a serious question about, well, how can they pick up in season two? Mulder has lost his source. Mulder and Scully are no longer partners They've both been reassigned. The X-Files are shut down. The best evidence they have is under lock and key and unobtainable. So they've really got their work cut out for them. It was a very effective season finale. Anyway, join us again in t- one week as we do a general season one recap, mapping out everything we saw in season one, all 24 episodes, at least those that are major contributors to the ongoing story, what we've learned, what we've seen, and just talking about a little of the impact that the first season had in general. One week. After that, we begin season two with Little Green Men. Intro and outro music is by Lastwell, created under the Creative Commons license. All other content, copyright 2014, Bureau 42. Please feel free to send any comments and feedback to bureau42podcasts at gmail.com or leave us a review on iTunes.